It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. Hey everyone, this is Josh. I just have a quick programming note that I failed to mention when Maureen and I recorded this week's show. Next week, our marquee topic is going to be dedicated to Hocus Pocus, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary since its release in 1993. So, if you want to follow along, be sure to give the movie a rewatch or a first watch if you've never seen it before. Okay, that's all for now. Enjoy this week's episode. This is episode 18 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome to another week of Pop Culture Talk with Maureen and Josh. What if that was the title? Pop I like culture. that title because our names are in it. Pop Culture Talk with Maureen and Josh. Well, it is October. Fall is finally on the horizon. I'm very excited that the weather is about to turn where we live in Virginia. I'm not, man. I'm like, I, I took our son to the park today and I really enjoyed wearing shorts and It was so humid though. It was delightful. Ugh, no thank you. Ugh, Jackets. What? No. There is Socks. nothing. There's nothing better than a crisp, cool day where you can wear a sweatshirt. Who is with me? Mm, boo. Okay. All right, honey, hit us no, with hold. some catching up from last week. Catching, I have something I want to catch up on. Catching up from last week. Okay, so we watched another one of the fall TV shows that we previewed a couple weeks ago, and this time we watched the television program God Friended Me, starring. We also watched a million little things. Now, you watched that more than me. You watched it with me. I watched part of it. You watched the entire pilot with me. Josh didn't like it. Okay, Okay, moving on to the one Josh did like. But we actively (laughs) sat down and watched together God Friend and Me, which is a CBS show starring Brandon Michael Hall. I really liked it. I really liked Brandon Michael Hall. He was my favorite part. The lead actor is awesome. Yeah, he was really good. You just got behind him. What do you think of the show, though? I think the premise is so stupid. It's almost ridiculous. Like I said, the only part that I really liked was him. I found his performance really compelling. And it's like the script is so dumb. The fact that yeah, he's the doing lines so are well with great. it, I just think he's really good. The, the writing is not amazing. This but is I'll the be... one where God friends him on Facebook. On Facebook. And he is like a pastor's son whose mother passed away, and so he doesn't believe in God He's anymore. He's an atheist. He has an atheist podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like... curious to see where the show goes, because I don't know how long they can sustain this premise. Eventually, they're going to have to get to the point where they either say that it's actually God, or it's someone playing a, an elaborate prank on him. So I don't it has know... has to be actually God. Well, I don't know how long they're going to sustain sustain that premise so that's the thing i'm most curious about but yeah. i liked it maureen you watched a million little things which is the abc show what totally did you think? into it 
totally into it. I was totally not. I know. I mean, it's the new This Is Us, and I think This Is Us is reaching a little bit. Like, they're just trying to, like... Wait, This Is Us is reaching? Yeah. Like, I think that they're in their third season, right? Yeah, it's the third yeah, yeah, season, yeah. and I think that, like, we're seeing flashbacks. We already know what happens. There's no mystery left, but we're just, like, seeing how things unfold, which isn't a bad thing. I'm still going to watch it, but... I'm, I don't know. I'm interested in a million little things. Although I will say right off the bat, ugh, I won't I won't spoil it because there's only been two episodes. But there's there's one plot line that is like so dumb I can't even find words about it. So that part to me is a great. Little what a review. It just makes you want to jump right <laughs> you know, in. The whole part, the whole plot line of Godfriend and me is dumb. This is just one subplot. Yeah, but that one subplot, it's pretty dumb. I know which one you're talking about. And I don't even pay attention when you're watching. It, it involves an affair. I won't say between who. But that, it's just like, did you really need this? Well, I don't think they so. They have to up the drama. Okay, the other piece of follow-up I wanted to say from last week is that last week I made this radical claim that iTunes was gone. And I did a little bit of research. I'm not going to say I did a lot of research, but I did a little bit of research. And it turns out iTunes is still around. But... The podcast portion has been moved over to their own feed called Apple Podcasts, plural. And last week, I listened back when I was editing the show, and apparently I kept saying Apple Podcast <laughs> instead of the plural version, mainly because podcast is hard for me to say. Podcasts. Anyway, I sounded really dumb, so... Try to say it. Apple Podcasts. There you go. Yeah, but I feel like I have to enunciate that S. Podcasts. Yeah, it's you hard. You do have to enunciate It's hard for me. Anyway... The bottom line is there still is an iTunes where you can buy music, though I did see an article from March of this year where Apple is considering dropping it altogether, like not selling music anymore. But the podcast portion is separate and it is now under something called Apple Podcasts. So if you want to leave us a rating on your iPhone or Mac, please do so through Apple Podcasts. So the other thing that I wanted to catch you guys up on was the coconut oil saga. Oh my gosh. Saga. We're now in week three of the you coconut know, oil inquiring saga. inquiring minds want to know, okay? So anyway, you guys, I said that I had heard about this. I had tried it. Basically using coconut oil as moisturizer and face wash, it like takes off your makeup. I did it. I did it for a whole week. I was not into it. And I realized that I was like forcing this on myself because I heard it was supposed to be much better for your skin. But in the long term, that may have been true, but in the short term, it was causing me a lot of angst because I have really fine hair and it was making my hair greasy and like it was just... And it kept getting into your eyes. It kept getting into my eyes. I like couldn't deal with it. And so I just realized if it's not bringing me joy right now, then yeah, bye-bye coconut oil. So I have stopped using it as a moisturizer and makeup remover. I'm back to my glorious Cetaphil face wash. Um, but I am keeping one of the like weird natural things on your faces, and that is using apple cider vinegar mixed with water as like a toner after you wash your face. And that part I'm keeping. So we'll see if I like it. All right, honey. So I'm done talking about my face. You want to jump into the snack bag? For yes. This week? Let us jump into the snack bag. The first thing I wanted to talk about is I came across this article on Vulture. The title of the article is What to Know About Snapchat's Big Move into Scripted TV. So the article is about how Snapchat is going to be producing original television content for their platform. So these shows are going to be about five minutes or less. They're going to be seasons that you can only view for a couple weeks before they disappear forever, really taking the Snapchat model and trying to adapt television into that. Before I give my take, 
What do you think about this? I can't even. I don't have Snapchat. I don't want Snapchat. I, I think I'm just too old and uncool for it. But basically, I just don't think we need more things to feel like we have to watch. I get why Snapchat is doing it. Like, they want to stay in the game and Instagram stories basically, like, stole their thing. And now it's way more popular and more people use it than Snapchat, which is my generalization, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I think that's true. So I get where Snapchat's coming from, but I'm just wholly uninterested. And they want the advertising dollars, so you get that perspective of it. I just, I don't care. What do you think? Do you want to watch them? No. I have so many thoughts about this, but I will keep it short by saying I think that this is playing to the wrong parts of what makes TV TV. Basically, they're going to exploit the most sensational parts of television, like the loud scenes and the big colors and and everything like that. And they're going to cram it into five minutes of a narrative something. And they're going to try to attract viewers that way. And I just think that's taking kind of what can be worst about TV and trying to get people to view that because that's what their, their research is telling them that people want and that this younger generation wants. I may check one of these out because they're short and I'm really curious to see if they're going to be any good. But I will say if I have to watch it vertically on my phone, I'm already going to be turned off by that. Maybe it's just me being old, but I just, I can't get behind this. I can't get behind it. Yeah. Veto from us, Snapchat. Sorry. Let's move on to our last snack bag topic, which is last night, we're recording this on Wednesday, October 10th. Last night was the American Music Awards. And the big news of the night, other than the fact that Taylor Swift took home a bunch of awards. Shocking. She's been doing that since she started. And good right, for her. Was that the ratings for the show slipped 25% from last year to a, an all-time low. They only got 6.5 million viewers, which is super low. So my big takeaway from this, and the one thing I wanted to ask you, Maureen, is are there just too many award shows? I mean, what? what yes, what, there are. What even is the American Music Awards? I mean, why is that? Well, and there's the VMAs. That's the Video Music Awards. Which also should be the MVAs. The Music Video Awards. Yeah. There's the... There's a bunch of country ones. There's like the CMAs. There's the ACMs. There's the Dove Awards. There's the Dove Awards Tony's. for Christians. I, I even just in music. Then there's there the are, sports. All the sports awards. There's just so many award shows. So is I, it, here's the thing. I think there should be one per genre. There should be one TV awards. There should be one movie awards. There should be one. Well, it's hard to say one music awards, although they do that for movies. There's a tons of different genres of movies. One. Just yeah, want, I just want just the want the Grammys. Yeah. We couldn't even be bothered to watch this because... I didn't even just, know it was happening. Right. There's just so many shows and this one is so inconsequential. What do you guys think? Do you like award shows? Well, some of them... Oh, you're not asking me. You're no, asking our I'm listeners. I'm asking our listeners. Well, okay. All right. Let's move to our marquee topic. Marquee topic. We should really come up with a theme song for our marquee topic. Yeah. Do you want to get on that? Well, I can't. I'll pull out the ukulele. Yeah, the, you have the to ukulele? play something. I've heard it pronounced ukulele and ukulele. What do you think it, it is? It is definitely not ukulele. You're an ukulele. I'm going to pull out my ukulele. I'm going to pull out my ukulele and we're going to come up with a theme song in the next couple weeks. Marky topic. Marky topic. Uh, it's going to need some workshopping. <laughs> it's going to need some workshopping. Okay, so this week's marky topic is kind of just a, a big picture look at food shows and cooking shows and this idea that the Food Network and the Cooking Channel 
have sort of taken off in our culture as something people really love to watch. And we love to watch. And first of all, shout out to one of our listeners, Mike, for the suggestion for this marquee topic. Right. So just a little background for you. Food Network was founded and launched in 1993. So it's been around for almost 25 years, which is pretty impressive. One of their most famous people on the network, I didn't know this before I did some research on this. Is, is it Paula Dean? No, no, no. Bobby Flay, oh. who I'm sure we'll talk about. We love Bobby. Right. He joined back in 1995. So he's been with them. Oh my them. gosh, how old was he? He was young, but he's been with them since almost the very beginning, which is... That makes sense why it, he has so many different TV shows with them. It makes sense now, but I don't even know what Food Network was doing maybe before 2010. Okay, so Food Network has been around for a long time. The Cooking Channel is a spinoff of the Food Network. So the first thing I want to talk about is why are cooking shows so popular? So I have a theory. Let's hear it. My theory is it's really fun. Food, first of all, is something that everyone is involved in. Everyone eats, right? Like we have to sustain and nourish our bodies. And you usually have to cook for yourself unless you have a personal chef. So you are cooking and you are doing this. And at the very least, you're doing it like PB&J sandwiches and mac and cheese and like whatever, the basics, frozen food, whatever it may be. But everyone's eating and everyone likes to go out to eat and enjoy good food. It's something that at least in our culture, is like comforting and, you know, holidays, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving are always times of big foods. Anyway, I think food has a lot of like emotional value to people and obviously it, it you know, keeps you alive. So it's something that everyone does and everyone has in common is cooking and eating. And there's something kind of wonderful about watching someone else cook on TV. You almost feel, at least this is how I feel, You, I, I almost feel like, I'm not wasting time by watching a cooking show because I'm learning, even if I never make any of those things, right? It's like passive, but you still feel like kind of involved because it's something that you do. So it's almost educational in a, in a sense. I, th I can convince myself that it is. I don't think you're wrong about that. I think you could certainly learn things from watching cooking shows. Why do you think people watch them? For me personally, the reason that I like to watch them is because I find them mesmerizing, just watching things come together and form something that looks edible. I, I find that just such a fascinating part of cooking overall is that you take all of these different ingredients, especially when it comes to things like baking, which I particularly enjoy personally. You take all these ingredients that you would never think could make something, and then you do make something. And so, especially with the shows where they give you an ingredient that you might not think could do anything, and then they're able to come up with something that looks pretty tasty, that's fun to watch. And I, I just am sort of mesmerized by the ability of the different people who are on these shows. So one of the things that I like best about the cooking shows is that I enjoy competition shows. And I'd say 70% of the shows on Food Network tend to be competition shows. So they, they bring different chefs from different backgrounds together and they have them cook against each other. And then people will, you know, taste their food and say, who made the better dish? Okay, so here is my thing. I also really enjoy watching these types of shows. But this is where... As we're talking about this, I'm just realizing how completely silly it is. 
How often in your life or in anyone's life are you like, you have 15 minutes to cook this dish with these four weird ingredients from around the world and your time starts now. You know, like it puts, it puts a normal thing, cooking dinner or lunch, into this time-sensitive, high-pressure situation. And that's, that's part of what makes it but exciting. But that's true with any competition. No, Almost anything. Think yes, about something yes, like... Yes, he says. But like running, you're already doing in a timed way. Or like, you know, a No, but running or... as an exercise, you're not, you're not competing. But running in a race, you're competing. So you're taking something that has no competitive edge in and of itself. But what running. I'm saying is like, like up until Food Network really took off, these cooking shows weren't a thing. Like races have been a thing for a long, 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 long time. But this is something cooking as a sport. You don't think the ancient Greeks had cook-offs? Had cook-offs? No. <laughs> a chili cook-off. <laughs> so they had their marathon, they had their Olympics, and then they also had chili cook-offs. You don't I think mean, so? I think they're missing out by not having that because well, chili cook-offs. If you could go back delicious. in time in a time machine, would you go back and introduce the idea of cook-offs? I'm trying to remember from history what people ate around that time, primarily. It would be who could catch the best fish yeah, and who could grill it the best. Yeah. Your ingredient is fish. <laughs> Your time begins now. We have nothing to tell the time except the sun, so you have until the sun goes down. It would be the most boring thing oh, ever. I know. Good thing they couldn't record it. All right. What are some of your favorite shows, if you were to share? Well, I would say the one that Maureen and I have mentioned before on this show on this podcast is Beat Bobby Flay. Beat Bobby Flay! Which is the same exact format every episode. There's really nothing new about it. They have two chefs come on. They compete against each other. The person who wins that goes up against Bobby. They pick the dish. They have 45 minutes to cook. Bobby almost always wins. I think I calculated one time, and Bobby has won 70, 75% of the time. And these are dishes that he rarely cooks yeah, in his own life. Yeah, the only time he loses is like as if it's like an ethnic dish that he's never heard of before or a dessert. And even then terrible. sometimes he's he does pretty well. So Beat Bobby Flay, the one that got me into cooking shows on the Food Network was that Maureen and I were on vacation together. And we were just flipping channels. I don't it was, even know what you're going to say. It was raining outside. We were at the beach. And we were flipping channels. And we stopped on Food Network. And we came across Chopped. And Chopped is a show where they take four chefs. And they get different ingredients they have to work with every round. And they have to incorporate these weird ingredients into their dishes. And this particular version of Chopped was a barbecue version. We watched like a million episodes in a I row. I think we watched three or four <laughs> or five hours in a row just sitting. And I was just mesmerized. I, I was like, what is this show? And it was really enjoyable. And it helped, I think, that that was part of a special series that they were doing, which was barbecue cooking outside. So we saw the there was you know, each round they whittled it down to one and then the winners of each round competed in one final thing for a grand prize of something bigger than they normally get. So I think that helped hook me into the show. So I really like Chopped. That'll always hold a special place in my heart. And then the last one I'll say that Maureen absolutely hates that I do enjoy. I don't oh even know if gosh. they still if make you it. you say Cutthroat Kitchen. It's Cutthroat Kitchen. No, I was going to say that this is my least favorite. I cannot watch it anymore cooking show. I think that the reason that I like Cutthroat Kitchen is because it's hosted by Alton Brown. And he's just such a strange personality. You either like him or you don't, I think. And um, The premise of this show is the most ridiculous. It's literally like... Pretty normal cooking, 
accept Okay, yeah, it. like you have to make a grilled cheese. But then they throw these like horrible – and everyone starts with a briefcase of like $15,000. And then they throw and they say, okay, four of you, like one of you has to cook your grilled cheese while you're like in the stocks. And another person has to cook your grilled cheese on you know, roller skates. And, and another person has to cook it without any bread. And like you can buy down – basically you use your money to try to buy down – yeah, like you, to prevent the awful things from happening to no, you while no, you're cooking. No, to, no, to give the awful things to other people. Yeah, so you don't have them. Right. I think the show's enjoyable. I don't even know if they still make it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I that, that one holds a special place in my heart. Maureen, what is a what is one show that you like? And and I think that you, one that you might say is is totally different than these American cooking shows. Spoiler alert, honey. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Oh, I will say my favorite definitely is Beat Bobby Flay. That's one that Josh has mentioned. And we basically watch it while eating dinner any night that we're eating on the couch and not at the table. Um, which is so it's literally like, oh, let's make our dinner and then sit and watch Bobby like make dinner. Also worth noting is that at the end of the episode, if Bobby wins, he makes a hilarious pun. There's definite sarcasm on hilarious. Yeah, but it's like so It's great. It's great. Another one of my favorite cooking shows is The Great British Baking Show, which I've only watched the seasons with Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry as the judges. I think that there's a new judge now, but I love it. And it takes place in this gorgeous tent in the countryside of England, I believe, and... It's just so different than American cooking shows. It's relaxed and it's all about like the baking. Like they have like long, long periods of time and it's baking. So that often is required. But, but it is a competition show. And it that's is a what, competition show. And that's what's most fascinating weeks. is yeah. that it's not at all sort of erratic and fast paced and crazy like the American cooking shows. And the reactions of the contestants are also not like fatalistic and like, ah, I was robbed or like, ah, I got kicked off. And it's still just as compelling. But like when one of them gets kicked off, even if it's like towards the end and like they just came that much closer, like they literally say, you know, just very calmly like, well, that was absolute rubbish and I'm completely gutted that I got kicked <laughs> off the show. Oh, well. I'm gonna keep baking anyway. What a joy life is, you know. Like it's just. I think like it's because delightful. they don't. They don't win anything. They don't win any prize money, and I think part of what. Are you sure? I'm. I'm almost positive. What do they win? They win. Uh, they win like the, a cake stand. Yeah, they win a cake stand, <laughs> but they don't actually win any prize money. So after all of these weeks of competing and hard work, other than being on a TV show, I mean, they they might get compensated for that, but there is no million dollar prize or. $50,000 prize or whatever the case may be. So I think that's probably part of the reason why it's not as cutthroat as American cooking shows. One other show that I want to point out that we have watched before, and this this person is hit or miss from for a lot of people, and that's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Oh, I love Guy Fieri. So Guy Fieri won. Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri or Guy Fieri. He has a blonde, Neon spiked bleach, hair. Blonde hair. Yeah, if you haven't ever seen a picture of him, uh, please Google it. He was the winner of one of the reality shows on Food Network called Food Network Star. I'm actually surprised we don't watch Food Network Star more. I think that I would really like it. I maybe should start recording this. Well, he won an early season of that, and he has been one of the most popular winners of the show ever. I mean, he is now one of the faces of Food Network. He has several shows... He is an engaging personality, but I can see why people might find him annoying. I don't find him annoying. I just think that he has a very, I mean, like he's he's not highbrow. He's he's like 
of the people, right? Like he's like. Well, that's, that's the whole premise of his sh- of his I main know. show. Uh, Diners, that's, drive that's what and I'm dives. saying is like sometimes with these cooking shows, you get like this fancy like blah 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 elevated nonsense, and like that's fun sometimes. But Guy Fieri is literally like, where where's the best diner in your neighborhood kind of place, and what can you make in the grocery store? I don't know. I really like him, and I think he has a wide appeal because he is relatable to normal people going to work and cooking for themselves every day. The one thing I will say about cooking shows is that you're never actually sure if the food is good. You're just taking the opinion of the people who are taste testing. Often it looks bad. Right. So I'm wondering. No, on the Great British Baking Show, they actually say it's bad. Yeah, that's true. Like Paul will be like, I can't eat this. <laughs> it's great. But it's the, fact that, the fact that Bobby Flay has won so many times on his own show, it just makes me wonder... And it is a blind taste test, so it's not as if they're giving him preferential treatment because it's his show. But it just makes me wonder, is he really that amazing? And I'm sure he's very good. Or are the people who compete just not very good at this format of cooking, that they can't really cook under pressure in 45 minutes? So that's something I've always wondered. How good is the food that they're cooking? Because as Maureen pointed out, it's so unrealistic that you'd ever be timed with such constraints to cook. And so they'll often cook dishes that they say, I need five hours to cook this and I only have 30 minutes left. What am I going to do? I can't imagine that those dishes turn out well. So you're never quite sure. But when they do look nice and nicely presented, it kind of tricks you into thinking that they might be good. So I don't know. So if you like Food Network and cooking shows, uh, let us know what some of your favorites are. We'd love to hear and maybe we'll check some of them out. And anything else to add on this? No, now it's making me hungry. No cherry on top, but I'm... Okay. Come on, that was a pretty good joke. Well, it was okay. Let's jump into our teasers for this week. Maureen, why don't you kick it off? So my teaser for this week, I have a little bit of a long commute, and I have started listening to some new podcasts. And so my first podcast, my first podcast, the one I'm going to recommend today on the teaser is um, Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. So... Dax was on Parenthood. He's married to Kristen Bell, and he's really funny, kind of irreverent. Do not listen to this one with um, kids or young adults in the car. It definitely has some explicit language, but he's really honest, and they're like longer podcasts. I was listening to the one today with Katherine Hahn, who is a fellow Northwestern alum, and yeah, it was just really good. It's interesting, and it's kind of like behind the scenes getting to know the stars a little bit more, so check it out. My teaser for this week is a television show that just wrapped up its series a, a couple months ago. It's called The Americans. I've mentioned it before when we were covering the Emmys on this podcast. But I am going to say that it is one of the best TV shows I've ever watched. What? I can't believe you told me I shouldn't watch this one with you. I don't think you would like it, but... Maybe I would. Maybe you should watch it. Is it better than Breaking Bad? It's different. It's hard to compare the two. But you said this is one of the best TV shows you've ever watched. I think that I liked it more than I liked Breaking Bad. He also told me not to watch Breaking Bad, so I've never seen that either, by the way. This is a show that focuses on two Russian spies who have a family and live in America. So they're fully integrated into the American life. And the show stars Carrie Russell and Matthew Rees as the two Russian spies. And it's just, I think it's fascinating because it operates as both a spy thriller show, 
but it also operates as a really interesting family drama because they have to raise their two kids in this American lifestyle that their characters don't believe in. And it's over the six seasons, it was really fascinating to watch the evolution of the two characters, Philip and Elizabeth, as they evolved, having lived in the United States for years and years and years and years. So I thought it was exceptionally well done. It won two Emmys this past year for its final season, one for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series for Matthew Reese, and one for Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series for the show's creator, Joe Weisberg, and his writing partner, Joel Fields. And that was for the series finale, which was excellent. So if you're looking for a show to get into, this one I would absolutely recommend. It's extremely well done. And you can stream everything on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime, which I feel like most people do. I will say that it is supposed to be set in Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C., which is where we live. And there are some times when it's clearly not where we live, but they do a pretty good job of establishing that it is in D.C. But living here, you kind of can tell when that's clearly New York City and not Washington, D.C. But otherwise, excellent show, and I would highly recommend it. All right, everybody, that's our show this week. That is our show. Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for listening. I love when you say exactly what I just said. I want to repeat it. Hi, everyone. That's our show. Hi, everyone. That's our That's show. That's our show. That's, That's our, our show. show. That's our, That's are we our doing? Show. We're doing that uh, Meisner technique where we just say the same word over and over and we use different inflections. Isn't that an acting technique where you say hello? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember if it's Like Meisner. I would say hello and then you would say hello back and we would just have a conversation by just saying hello. Okay, let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Let's do it. Hello. 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 I think you're trying to like make up hellos though instead of just playing off of what I'm giving you. I'm not a good actor, so <laughs> this isn't going to go very well. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.